Welcome to the What's Good Dough podcast and get ready to level up. But before we continue with the show, I want to introduce you to my two show sponsors, Uni Pizza Ovens and Cordo Olive Oil. Let's start with Uni. They are the number one pizza oven company in the world with the best community there is. Because of their ovens, I have made some of the most amazing pizzas. From round pies to squares, I'm able to get to temperatures of up to 900 degrees, allowing me to cook the pizzas of my dreams. If you're looking to grow your pizza business, buying an uni makes sense. My past guest Ryan of Sanctuary Pizza has a mobile catering company powered by uni. These powerful ovens are efficient, lightweight, and can be used almost anywhere. Whether you take pizza seriously like me or want to run a pizza operation like Ryan, Uni is the choice for you. Use the link in the show notes and join the Uni community. My second show sponsor is Cordo Olive Oil. At first, I didn't believe that olive oil mattered. It wasn't until I got educated and learned about the difference between commodity oil and Cordo's fresh squeezed olive oil that I ditched the supermarket stuff. Today, I only use Cordo Olive Oil when it comes to making my dough and even doing a post-baked drizzle. Mm. I have even made some amazing pesto with it. Oh my goodness. Cordo's high quality olive oil does really elevate anything it touches. My buddy Chris, who runs a slice of New Jersey, just switched over to Cordo. Not only is he getting quality, but he ended up saving money by switching over too. If you're still unsure of the difference, pizza operators can sign up for a free olive oil tasting. Use the link in the show notes to learn more. Thank you for taking the time to listen to my show sponsors and supporting this show. How a group of guests, they step in into your place as strangers. Hi, uh, yeah, we are here, Jenna. And at the end of the night, they'll be like, Hey, Jenna, good to see you. We'll be back. That was Jenna of the Juliet Mike on Instagram and voila, pizza private dining in Singapore. And it's your boy, Idriff, and you're listening to the What's Good Dough podcast. Whether it's pizza, business, or life, my guests and I are always talking about ways we can level up. I'm excited to introduce to you all the wonderful Jenna who is super passionate, an amazing pizza maker, and such a joy to listen to. She's also the co-host for Women's Pizza Month. And oh my goodness, I can't think of a better partner for Christy to really run the show and organize this amazing event. Jenna and I discussed so many things, but the conversation really stands out in three parts. Today, you're gonna hear Jenna and I talk about how she focuses on her craft, the extra details that she puts in to really get an amazing pizza that she practices and then serves to her guests through her private dining. So you're gonna hear about her amazing creations, this private dining that she does, and then you're gonna hear about how she found her purpose, otherwise known as Ikigai, through pizza. I highly recommend listening to this entire episode because I truly believe you're gonna get so much out of it. But for your convenience, I left timestamps in the description, breaking up the conversation in three parts, just in case only some of the topics interest you. Otherwise, this is an amazing episode, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And remember to always ask, what's good, Doe? I am joined today by the one and only Jenna from The Juliet Mike, and voila! Jenna, what's good, Doe? Yeah, hi everyone, Jenna here, and all energized after my pizza lunch. Yeah, so I hope everyone's uh, doing well. Yeah, hi, I drive. So good to hear your voice and so excited to speak with you. Let me first start by saying I am so amazed by all of your beautiful, wonderful creations on Instagram. I usually like to start the show by asking people how they got started in pizza. And I think it's fair to point out that prior to you making pizza, you were a lover of pizza and appreciate someone who appreciated it very much. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, sure. I see that you have studied my profile very well, I guess. So uh, two years ago, when I had my Italy trip, I spent three to four weeks there. And every day, I can tell you, I was honestly eating pizza for lunch, for dinner. I was never getting sick of it. So when I came back from that trip, I realized that how much I really love pizza, although previously I already know it. So uh, I love it. And then when I came back, I started to try to find the kind of authentic Neapolitan pizza in Singapore. So I started going around and try to, you know, taste different pizzas and uh, and try it. That's when uh, I think at the post that you saw, uh, whereby I was doing pizza reviews, right? So I was trying to find, you know, where you can get the best New York, best Neapolitan. Definitely Neapolitan was one of my uh, great interests. So so yeah, that was for a while. And then um, the Julia might slowly transform. It kept changing. I can tell you it kept changing and transform until I started doing my own pizza. Uh, and the I just dedicated the account just uh, totally to uh, my pizza. So I stopped doing review, though I still go out to eat a lot. And usually I do the kind of sharing through my Instagram stories, uh, but no, uh, not so much in the in the pause itself yeah so how did you transition into making your own pizza i guess it has been really a life-changing moment since um roughly one year ago i think 30 months uh i had my birthday and my husband was really uh, trying to think of something to give it to me. So, so I think he knows how much I love to eat pizza. He can see and he can tell. And I have been uh, quite a good cook at home as well because I started pretty young. And and he says how much I love pizza. So he actually decided to get me this only oven. And it was one of the most amazing things that I have received <laughs> in my life. And I can tell you since then, it's life-changing. I'm not joking. It's life-changing. And every day I just feel, I, I feel like a different person with the oven. So when I received the uh, oil oven, I started watching all sorts of YouTube videos, you know, just, you know, Italian pizza, you know, doing pizza and recipes and, and you know, everything. So I started watching uh, and, and I just started doing so since I got the oven in December, uh, I was, I, I'm not kidding that I was like doing pizzas. And the, the thing is, I was doing every batch of dough, a fresh batch. So you can imagine my lunch dough and my dinner dough, they are different batches. Uh, because I really want to play around with the parameters of you know the different ingredients to see how I can derive a good dough. So every time after I finish, like every meal is two dough. So I make two doughs for one portion and I realize something needs to be changed and I make a new batch. So every single time I taste, it will be like a changed recipe. So until I think around yeah, two, two months later, I kind of like slowly get the grip of it and, and yeah then it like officially kick off yeah oh my goodness so there was a lot of pizza in those first few months a lot a lot and, and, but, but i must say i didn't get sick of it at all i was like still after my lunch and i was still craving for dinner because i was like because always i go with different ingredients so although the dough i'm trying to experiment the flavors i really try to do every time different so even a simple switch of you know like a flavor ingredient or crunch or you know like a aroma something like that so so you never get bored yeah in a way what were some of the pieces of education that you that kind of changed your or shift your pizza making the most what influenced you ah <sighs> This question, I think I can answer that for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I, maybe I will just start with the dough first before going on to the flavors. So the dough um, is really, I, I guess, at its goes. If you just look at uh, look back at my very first few pizzas, which I have done um, last year. 
they were not having this kind of like a really puffy or airy crust. So it was like a really typical pizza because what I want to do is really to get it out of the oven in one piece and, you know, looking like a, a presentable thing. So um, as it develops, then I realized the wonder of fermentation, uh, whereby, you know, this gas, this gluten and everything is being built. I, I, I just love the science behind it. So then I slowly started to discover more pizza yulos uh, on Instagram and I started to follow a lot of people and I realized what excites me the most is really when someone gets this huge air pocket in their crust and they do an intersection shot of their crust and I just you know have this good goosebumps like like oh my goodness <laughs> like like I, I love it and then I think um I'm not sure if I recall correctly but I came across Deborah's profile I I, I can so so she, she's actually based in Italy and I think nearby Milan if I'm not wrong so her profile uh was is like all about huge uh, crust and air pockets and and that really triggered me I feel that was one of the factors that triggered me into wanting to get this kind of dough because I love the satisfaction of cutting it up having that huge air pocket and you just look at it and just press a little bit oh it's, it's that satisfaction you, you can't imagine <laughs> most people will cut pizza using a pizza cutter or a rocker knife, but you can't use those tools the way you cut pizza. So tell me what tool you use and how you preserve the beautiful airy dough pocket. Initially, in the very beginning, I was using a typical like a pizza slicer, uh, the wrong one. And, and then I realized once I poke that into my crust, it will destroy it because of the pressure, it will create a dam and it will actually close up the air pocket rather than keeping it open, right? So I was like thinking a lot of ways and then I started tearing the crust little bit by little bit, like, you know, to create this gap and it was not nice at all. And I can tell you how much a perfectionist I am. So I was really thinking and then um, I, I don't know why, but one day I just came across the idea on like, why not I just use a scissors, right? And uh, I do have like a, you know, food ingredient scissors and I started trying it and it's just perfect because you can have a very precise um, point whereby you can go into the dough and just poke a hole and slowly cut through you know the edges of the dough without spoiling the air uh, pocket and and it was just perfect and one more thing why I got addicted to cutting um, with my scissors is also because of the sound of it so you know you 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 are a podcast person. You know how much sound actually triggers you, right? Oh, so yes. I, I I love ASMR. You know when people oh, yes. eat and when people you know have this kind of like paper or plastic, you know that sound, and I love it. So so there was one I think. I was videoing uh, me using scissors to cart and after that I was watching back the video and I just heard the scissors and I was like, oh, that is the sound I love. Yes, and and and, and, and honestly I, I, I just I just stick to it like all the way I am using scissors right now. And you know, even for my recent trip because I just went to Europe and for my recent trip, the biggest regret for that trip was that I didn't bring my scissors. So I, I didn't have my scissors and everywhere I go, I was like asking for scissors and they were like, sorry, we only use a slicer. So in the end, because all the slicer really spoiled the air pocket, you know what I did? I started doing was like, I really used my fingers and started to like slowly tear out the uh, the crust layer so that when I peel it open, you can still see it open, yeah. So, so but but yeah, but then, you know, after I came back from the trip and I have this friend on Instagram and he was like asking me, how come you didn't just buy a scissors there? He was like, oh, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> I want to ask you, how, how do you get that big, beautiful crust? Because it's amazing. It, it, it's like Cornishone goals. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 
let me enjoy the moment for a little bit. <laughs> to do it, you deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, I I guess um you know uh on social media of course you know uh we are showing all the best parts of our dough and our bakes, but I need to be very frank here that definitely is not like a perfection hundred percent. So to me, even until today, one year after I started doing pizza, consistency is still something that I'm struggling with.、Um, in Singapore, our weather is crazy, so all year round you are getting summer, but different kinds of summer days. So it could be really heavy rain, really humid, and then the next moment is really hot and really, you know, like all different things. So I really have to because of the perfection、um, that I. Want to achieve? I hope to achieve. I really monitor my dough very precisely. So initially, I was sticking to a recipe, right? Like you know, with different grams of ingredients, and then what time, at what temperature, and slowly I realized that doesn't work at all. Because in Singapore's weather, whether be it today raining or today sunny day, I have to adjust accordingly. So whenever people ask me for a recipe, I will tell them. I I I don't know how to tell you because on different days I'm doing different things. You know, today it could be there sitting for half an hour, but tomorrow I could be immediately uh transferring to the fridge or something like that. So it really depends. And after a while, I realized that the best uh thing to do is really to rely on your eyes, on your observation.、Mm. So uh you know when your dough is it ready? So by touch, of course, because I don't use a mixer, so I use hand nail. So by touch. I can feel that if it's ready to move on to the next stage, and by eyes,、uh, what I mean is like you know the level of rice, and if because I'm using like a transparent、uh, kind of、uh, container to to hold my dough, right? So every time I also leave it up to see if there is sufficient air pockets in form because of the rice. So all of that. So I I think、uh, yeah. So if you ask me what makes the dough, um, it's it's really everything. You know, from、uh, getting the precise ingredient, from through the observation, and a little bit of luck as well. I must say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's fine. I, yeah. I I'm glad you're admitting it. That's so cool. And and also because I um I'm not sure if everybody does that、uh, for Napolitan, but I actually ferment my dough for a pretty. Decent length of time, so usually I go for five days. So、um, yeah, I think some people they go for two, three days, or or some even go to like seven days. So I'm not sure, but I think the the longer fermentation also helps you to achieve a more airier and and puffy crust. What size are your pizzas usually in in diameter, and what is your dough weight? Okay, so usually my pizza weighs around two hundred fifty grams. Yeah.、Oh, wow. uh, yes, two hundred fifty grams. Is it big or small? <laughs> Just curious. No, it's not too big at all. I was, I was, yeah, I was expecting a little bit more. That's really good.、Mm. And then, well, I guess it depends on what the diameter is, right? How or how big is the pizza? So I have now. You ask me. Like twelve inches. I, I, I guess it's around maybe not twelve, but maybe around eleven. I would say, yeah. You're using the code at twelve, right? Yes. So the maximum、okay. that I can go is twelve, but is really a little bit restrictive.、Tight. I would say, you know, to turn and flip around. So usually I go with like eleven, eleven. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that's a good size then. Two fifty for eleven inches, and then to make to capture that air pocket, are you pressing it a certain way? I、yes. Imagine you are. Yeah. So I see a lot, of, you know, professional pizza yolos. How they do it is like you know, they throw the dough in the sky and flip and flop and and do this like. So、uh, I'm I'm not doing that. Yeah, I'm not doing that. So、uh, you can see that my dough never leaves my table. So my kitchen counter it never leaves there. So because I realized that once I leave it up to flip around and all that, it will kind of spoil the air pockets a little bit. So I will be really, I like doing it pressing um pressing onto the yeah instead of throwing it around. And usually if the dough is of the right um. Temperature, you will be able to press and spread it up, and not having like you will still get the size of it. Uh, instead of because some sometimes when people throw around, it's really to expand the size of the base, right? Yeah, but but for me, it's it's okay to do to it this way. Yeah, just press. 
what is your ideal dough temperature before pressing it out? Uh, because okay, because Singapore is a really hot uh, country, right? So usually I'll start at around let's say fifteen or seventeen degrees Celsius, and then as I press, if the temperature will go up really fast, so it will I think it will go up to maybe around twenty three to twenty five by the time I'm ready to launch into the oven. So then it's yeah, it's perfect. That's about fifty nine to seventy two degrees uh, in Fahrenheit for anyone listening. Mm. What are you so? What are you using to measure your your ambient temperature, your atmospheric temperature, um, and what what kind of temperature are you gauging um, just in your dough making in general? So I have all sorts of tools with me. <laughs> I have like those uh, really portable uh, ones, magnetic ones, like small uh, thermometer where I paste all over my house, like on the fridge, uh, on the wall and all that. So I can monitor at different parts of my house what temperature it is. And then I also use the uh, temperature gun. I think you call it that. Uh And then you will point it to a certain place and see what's the temperature there. An IR thermometer. Yes, yes, yes. That's it. Yeah. So uh, usually depending on the day I'm in, I might be placing my dough at different places depending on the temperature mm. that I see on the thermometer. So if today kitchen is too hot, I might move it to the living room, you know, when it's more airy. And and it, it, yeah, so so I really like, you know, go around and sometimes I can be so crazy sitting on the floor in my living room and just looking at the door like for half an hour, why is it not rising? Something is wrong, you know? Yeah, yeah, so it's really crazy. And, and, and okay, I used to uh, be a really early uh, sleeper so usually I sleep at around 9 or 10 p.m. But now with pizza, it totally changed. <laughs> it changed. And, and I how could so, be... How so? Yeah, because I have to wait. For example, if I do my dough at a certain timing in the evening, let's say after work, and I have to nail it, and I have to wait, you know, and, and by the time when it's all ready to be transferred to another temperature or, you know, in the chiller, it will be like, you know, midnight. And sometimes, you know, I just... um And I just like jump out from my bed at 2 or 3 a.m. And especially if the batch of dough is actually for my guests, for my wala guests. And I would jump up and and see if it's rising to the right level. Yeah, because I don't know, like I I could be dreaming about it or something. Yeah, but but I I just want to make sure everything is right and perfect. I have been kept up many times from dough. I've been even kind of stressed out sometimes and it's not, sometimes it's not healthy, but I do it so that I make sure that if I, especially if I'm feeding people the next day or if this dough is meant to feed others, it's like, I have to be on top of it. Yes. And I think it's just a quick <laughs> tip for everybody listening is that I find it exceptionally helpful uh, to record down every single child that you have done. So from the ingredients, of course, but also the temperature that you have done the experiment in and, you know, the the time duration, or even if it helps you, uh, just record down what is the place that you have stored your dough. So, you know, in my Excel sheet, sometimes you will see like uh, on the couch. Uh, uh, you know, on the stool, <laughs> or thirty minutes on, you know, on the kitchen counter, you know, all sorts of things coming up. But it helps me to remember and visualize. The next time when I look back that thing that I have done, I know exactly where I close place my dough. So there was a period of time whereby I was really down, um, and uh, because I was making those which didn't rise at all. And I was just curious because, you know, I recorded down every single thing and everything's the same. And I'm also doing it through observation. So what changed to make the dough dead rather than alive? I was like, I think two weeks, I was just doing day to night thinking and experiment and try to find out. And when I went back to study the Excel sheet, I realized that no way is something that I have done will have caused it. There must be an external factor which is out of my control. And then I started to eliminate one by one the water, the flour, the salt, and then I realized it was the yeast. It was the yeast. Yeah, so the, the yeast was dead, yeah. 
So because of that, yeah. So so that's how helpful um the Excel actually helped me because if I didn't have the record, you know, to refer back to see there's nothing, you know, changing except something that was like not out of my control, then I wouldn't be able to find out that it was actually the ease, you know, playing the tricks here. I would be thinking, is it because of the temperature that day? Is it because of the timing I used that day? But because I did all this recording, I could easily refer back and, and tell myself that no, not because of this. Yes. That was that uh, was one intense. of the best ones. <laughs> No. Oh my goodness. I, I want to say that was perfect. That was such a great example of why you should write things down. I am starting to write things down, especially after talking to Fung from Leopard Crest and, and now talking to you. It's like, I, I just want to, I feel like it's the common denominator and people who make some really amazing, consistent looking pizzas. You know, usually when people do a pizza, they would be like, uh, tomato, uh, salami, cheese, and all that, right? To me, the recipe is not just the ingredients, not just the weight of the ingredients that I use, precise to 45 grams, 40 grams, but also the way I prepare and cook the individual ingredients. So I blend the olive in a blender for five seconds when it becomes a diameter of one mm, and then I took it out, put it onto olive oil and mix with whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. So all these small details I will record down because I scared that the next time that I want to duplicate this awesome recipe, I forgot how, how long I blend it or like how long I put it in the oil, you know, that kind. <laughs> I'm like making this face on video right now because I have made so many like amazing momentous meals and I'm just like, well, you better enjoy that. I drift because you're never going to have it again. <laughs> and that's my life. Uh, I want to learn more about voila, omakase pizza experience inside your home. So when I started doing uh, pizza in December 2020, and at the end of the second month, I was, like what I told you, I was doing way too many pizzas every day. And there are just so many different flavors which I want to try. And I just feel like with us at home, you know, just me and my husband eating the pizzas, it's just not enough. I need more people, you know, to come and taste the flavors and try out the dough. And, and yeah, so at the end of, I think the second month, then I decided because it was also during the uh, COVID time. So we were not really allowed to go out and, you know, mingle around with friends and, and relatives. So, um, so yeah, so I was thinking, why not we just open up our home and let people come in, you know, um, and of course, complying to whatever restrictions that the government has at the moment of time. And then we just let people come in and try our pizzas. And it was really a very quick decision. And I can tell you within two days, we just got everything. We went around to uh, drive around to get the place, the calories and some decorations and, and just some, uh, you know, wine and beverages to, to start with and some, um, yeah, just essentials. And we just kick started. So because at the point of time, I think there were some people in Singapore already following the Julia Mai account and a few of them have really come to ask me, you know, uh, if we can try a pizza, if we can, you know, do you do delivery and all that. And at the point of time, um, yeah, because of um, this kind of connection, when I started the Wala page and I just link Wala to the Julia Mai and people were like a few keen to come and try. So then we immediately, you know, the next weekend we were already hosting our first group, I guess. Everything is like, so fast it's like yeah and, and when i tell my friends and they were like wow we cannot we cannot imagine what you are doing you know within two weeks and you just launch something you know it's like a product launch but within a week or two i'm the kind of person that if i want to do something i do it right now so if today i think that something makes sense and and i need to get it i would just drive out immediately and get it back so you, it was instant. It was like, I want to do this. Let's do it this weekend. And bam, you're off to the races. Yes, yes. And then we were like, okay, let's just open up and see if people are keen to come. And then we just opened and did like a small shout out on the Wala Instagram account. And that's it. 
And then we just had our first group. And that first group of guests, they didn't even know. So when they came and I was asking them, so, um, oh no, because they were asking me and they were like, um, hey, Jenna, how long have you been doing this? And I was like, make a guess. <laughs> and they were like, three months, six months, nine months, a year maybe since the COVID and all that. And I was like, da, 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 you are my first group. And they couldn't believe it. Oh my God. Yeah, they were like, seriously? We are your first group? It was like, yes, yes, you are my first group. And then even, you know, before they came in, I was like trying to do a vlog of myself to remember that day, that moment. And I was like walking around the kitchen and the dining table and all the decorations with a camera in my hands. Like, I'm so proud I'm doing this and this is day one. Let's see how it goes. You know, that kind of feeling, yeah. <laughs> Can you walk me through a night of service? What what are people actually like? Even can you walk me through the start of the guests, uh, the guests kind of journey? How are they booking with you? How, what are they doing? And then maybe talk about what you're doing in preparation as well. Private dining concept is rather new, and. I'm not sure if it's like uniquely Singapore kind of thing, uh, but a lot of people when they first hear private dining, were like, what is it? Is it like in a private room in the restaurant or whatever? So to start, um, the guests will know us, right? To be my Wala Pizza, and they will go to the Wala page and there's this like uh, online uh, booking form where they have to fill in and just make a reservation with us. So when they have secured their booking and on the day of the booking, they will just come in a group of, let's say, four or five or six people and they will just come to my place, not no, hello, voila, and then they were coming. So then uh, from there, it's just really having a pizza party at my place throughout the night. So that whole night is just that one single group of guests in my living room and enjoying a few pizzas being served. So the word omakase means um, tasting, food tasting. So it's a Japanese term whereby they used to describe, you know, Japanese, they like to serve really small bites like sushi or, or you know, like really small bites whereby in a night you can afford to have like 10 or 12 small bites and you are literally food testing and exploring all the flavors from each bite. So that is what I want to bring to my Wala guests as well because I feel like when they go out to eat a pizza meal, usually you have like a one whole pizza to yourself and that is just one single flavor that you are trying. So it's really, you know, just to um, to get full to me. Yeah, If you are not like, you know, experiencing the flavor the texture and everything so I wanted them to experience in a night at least three four five six different flavors and one slice each so at the end they could be eating just the size of a one whole pizza but they have tasted six or five different flavors so it's really more of an experience than just, you know, um, yeah, to have a meal, I would say. So once they come into my place and they get seated at the dining table and voila, it starts. So I will be going into the kitchen and we will start off usually with like a mini petite garlic bread together with a starter. So starter could be something light and tangy just to open up the appetite uh, and then moving on from the garlic bread and the starter, it will be the main pizzas. So usually for the main pizzas, it will come in as a whole and it will slice it depending on four or five or six packs and each one of them will get one slice. So if let's say uh, there's like six people coming to my place, there will be five main pizzas on their day. So five main pizzas, meaning each one will get a slice of each main and having a taste of each of the flavors. Yeah. And then after the main pizzas, there will be usually a dessert pizza to conclude and Italian gelato. So that's how it works. Yeah. So in between each pizza, because I will be running from the kitchen to the living room, to the kitchen, to the living room, they have a little bit of bread while I'm baking for the next pizza to like have a rinse of mouth. You know, that's just how people do like sensory evaluation of different 
uh, products whereby they have to taste this and write down their comments and they, they rinse their mouth and drink some water before moving on to the next, something like that. So to have a very clean palette before you move on to the next pizza to really fully appreciate the flavors in each of the flavors, uh, the pizzas. Yeah. And also usually I will have a lot of thoughts going into the, because if you follow my Instagram, you know how many hundreds of recipes I have there, right? So how do I actually pick the recipe for the day? Because I don't like to stick to the same, even for today or tomorrow's guest. So I always change it. But I put in a lot of thoughts to even down to uh, the flow of the pizza, from the lighter ones to the heavier ones, and from different kind of bases, different kind of taste. And sometimes I might even go so extreme that before the guests come to my place, I will actually follow them on Instagram. And I will try to understand and like, you know, the flavor profile. I will look at their stories. You know, they like more savory or spicy stuff. Then I will try to incorporate that into the menu. And I know that that will be a highlight for them that night. And usually it didn't turn out wrong. So usually if I really study my, not in the creepy way, okay, I hope it doesn't sound very creepy, but it's not in the creepy way. It's just like, we kind of become friends and I, I kind of follow their lifestyle. I know what kind of taste profile is, you know, usually they like, and I incorporate that into it. And, and it just usually turned out perfect. Epic. I love it. Yeah. Oh my God. Epic is right. It's kind of freaking genius. How often are you doing this uh, pizza omakase? Yeah. So that's a good question because I actually have my job in the daytime. So because you know, the prep will actually take the whole day of my time. So I can't afford to do it like from Monday to Friday. So usually we do it on the Saturday and Sunday. And yeah, so that's why a lot of people were saying that, ooh, you don't even have time to rest because you are working Monday to Friday and Saturday, Sunday, you are doing voila. And I'm like, but that's what motivates me and, you know, excites me through the weekdays. Not that my job is not good. It's exciting as well. But it kind of, you know, like every time you have some stress moments at work, you will be like, okay, because it's coming because I'm voila coming and all that. Yeah. So it's really something to me is like a party time rather than people see like a part-time job. No, to me, it's like a weekend passion project. So, so it's really driving your passion during the weekend and having people into your place and have fun and party and enjoy your taste. And who doesn't like people coming here and appreciate what they do? I, I felt that in the past one year, I've made more friends than in the maybe last five years or, or even 10 years. You know, that kind of feeling. I think we make the most number of friends when we were maybe in uni time, in junior college and all that. But as we go out into a working environment, it's just like, you know, colleagues, uh, my manager or come back home, his family. But in the past one year, I've met so many people and we have all become friends and we follow each other on Instagram and talk to each other. And when they were traveling, they would recommend good pizza places to me as well. So it's really, really amazing. You know how people, how a group of guests, they step in into your place as strangers and they will be like, hi, uh, yeah, we are here, Jenna. And at the end of the night, they'll be like, hey, Jenna, good to see you. We'll be back. And, and you know, like, you know, it's like becoming friends and we'll hug each other. Oh, good to see you. And it's really nice to have you here. You know, you know that feeling. And every weekend you have two different group of guests, two different group of friends coming to you and making all these relations during this difficult time. I would say it's like a double bonus. Pizza has given me, um, such beauty in my life, uh, a deeper connection. And I love that you found that too. I also think that this is kind of a good time to mention the word ikigai. You brought up this beautiful word to me and maybe you can explain it a little bit more to the listeners. Yeah, sure. It will be my pleasure. So I love sharing this kind of positive messages. And um, I just feel like, you know, personally, I love to be around people that are positive because they inspire me and they make me feel good. And, 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 and that's why I love to do this back to the people around me. So when I came across this word, Ikigai, uh, I 
found it really inspiring. And I started sharing with people around me, my colleagues, my friends, and my relatives. And they will be like, they will all take a moment to think about it. And they will be like, let me go back and reflect about it. And that's what I want them. I hope that they can do because it's not about an instant answer or I'm there, I'm not there or whatever. It's just about reflection and thinking about it. That's good enough. You take some time, some time off and just think about it. So what exactly is this Ikigai thing, right? So Ikigai is actually a Japanese term. Okay. Whereby if you do a random uh, Google search about it, I-K-I-G-A-I and you will see all sorts of diagrams talking about this Ikigai. So it's a very simple concept actually. But it's just four circles overlapping each other with the center. Uh, in the center is the Ikigai. So there are four questions whereby you have to ask yourself first. Okay, so the first question is what you love. So what do you love to do? Okay, and then the second question is, what are you good at? So are you doing the things that you love and also you are good at? Because people might be doing the things that they love, but they might be not be good at it, right? Like, like if you know what I mean, like, I love, you know, uh, uh, doing uh, game design, but maybe I'm not so good in it some, somehow there, yeah. And the third question is, what you can pay for. So is this something that you do can be paid for? Can it? And then the last question is, what the world needs. Is this something that you knew you do the world needs? Everybody needs this? Just ask yourself these four questions. And, and just take an example in your mind right now. For example, your day job, maybe. Okay? If we are doing like a salesman. So I will ask myself, I'm doing sales right now. Is this what I love? Is this what I'm good at? Can I be paid for it? And is this what the world needs? So, after answering these four questions, you will be able to fulfill partial or fully four criterias, four overlapping criterias between these questions. So, if you refer to the diagram, it will be a lot more easier for you to see the intersection. So if let's say you may, you you are answering yes to all the four questions that I've asked you just now, then you have properly defined your passion, your profession, your mission, and your vocation. Okay, and if depending on the overlap, so if let's say the fourth question, um. Your answer is no, then you might just end up with three of the attributes rather than four. So maybe you can just have passion, profession, and mission without vocation. Yeah. So if you answer to all these questions and you say yes, and you satisfied all the attributes, and then I will say that you have achieved your own ikigai, which is something that you wake up for in the morning is a purpose in life to be honest like this ikigai is supposed to be deep within us in every single one of us it's just that are you exploring it have you found it have you taken the time to think about it and and recognize it that's all because it's there it's within us but sometimes we are just so busy with, you know, our work, with money, with uh, livelihood and all that. We ignore all this, right? And then every day we are just waking up to do that eight to five job. But are we, do we have the feeling, you know, oh, I'm waking up today and this is my purpose. Pizza lunch, you know that feeling. It's like, I'm doing pizza today. Yes, that's my purpose of all my life. We, 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 once you find that key guy of your own, it's really, really, really life-changing. Because you will feel so different every day that you are no longer being dragged by your life, but you are driving it. So it's a force that you are pulling rather than you feel that you are being pushed. You know, that feeling that, you know, you are in the middle of the train and you are being pushed by the back and you are being pulled by the front. And, and no, no longer. You are just the driver now and you are really driving your life. 
And that's it. And I really love this term and I love to share about this for people to just think a few minutes. You don't have to be long and just reflect and think about it and never, never stop thinking about it because you might not find it today, you might not find it tomorrow, but you will find it one day. And I must say that it's really common for people not to find it. Maybe 80-90% of the population haven't found it, you know. And, and But it's okay. Just keep looking out for it and not, you know, forget about it. That's all. That's the only message I want to bring to everybody. Ikigai is a journey of discovery. It is, if you look deeper into the meaning of it, you know, I actually took the time to listen to the audiobook uh, because you had mentioned that your husband discovered it. What's beautiful about the Ikigai is that when people discover it, it helps push their life towards a more meaningful and lengthier life. Um, the book is about, you know, super centenarians people who live past 100 and they talk about how you know they have this habit they only eat vegetables they don't worry about stress they dance and play but they also find their ikigai their purpose in life and and really like as as jenna was describing it's like 80 to 90 percent of people who just like live through their life getting pushed around never finding their ikigai it just does not seem like the world that we deserve for ourselves. We deserve to be able to have a sense of purpose and direction and, and find, you know, the beauty in life that, that makes us our best self. And so really taking the time to reflect on that, it, I feel like is so important and so key. Well said. What is your Ikigai? I think I have found my Ikigai in the past one year. Because I'm able to answer to these four questions and tell myself a yes, 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 yes. So I am really doing what I love. I, I cannot think of anything else that I love more other than my husband. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and... <laughs> What I'm good at, I think, yes, I try to be good at it and I try to be even better. But at this stage, I think I can confidently say yes. And what I can be paid for, partly, voila, as part of this question. And maybe in the future, I don't know if I would want to expand to something else interesting. That could be something also to be paid for. And what the world needs, of course. Who, which world doesn't need pizza, right? <laughs> of course. Yeah, pizza is, 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 is always, always the answer to a lot of questions. And, and especially, I feel like the knowledge and exposure to Neapolitan-style pizza is still not there yet. I'm not sure about in the States, but in Singapore, um, most of the people are still not recognizing Neapolitan-style pizza. Yeah, so they will be looking at the crust because it looks so puffy. They thought it's really dense and bready and it's really filling. But I really, really want to educate people and show people what this crust does inside. You know, just follow me. It's all like, it's, it's also every single time when I have a new group of guests come to my place, the first main pizza, I will always demonstrate the cross test. So I will be like, I will be proudly presenting to you my dough babies and just look at the cross. And I'll be like pressing under the cross and cutting it out carefully for them to see. And they will be like, wow, wow, it's all air inside because a lot of people doesn't really know because they don't know about Neapolitan that much as compared to, you know, it's maybe New York is more popular here, Sicilian and all that is more uh, widely available, I would say, but not so much for Neapolitan. So this is really something that I think we need. We need to know more about it and we need to appreciate more because it's really worth the appreciation here, the kind of dough and effort and thoughts that goes into 
such a simple looking pizza. Thank you for putting me onto that word and and really you know getting me and everyone here listening to think differently about it. And I think it's just again beautiful that you have found this this passion, this devotion, this life's work. Even congratulations for for finding. Thank pizza. you. <laughs> and and really, I consider myself lucky, and I. Truly hope that more people will be able to find their ikigai. So I really want to emphasize again: do not stop looking for it, because it's it's just there. Sometimes we are not exposed to the inner self that you know we don't even know its existence. But if we spend some time, just think about what we are good at, and you know what we want to do for the rest of our life, and then. You might just find it one day, and and you'll be so glad. Yeah, that's that's really something that、uh, I wish for. I agree too. I wish that for people、yeah. too. And I I think there's do do we still have time? There's also one more thing that I would really love to share. What's up? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So you know, when a lot of people look at my Instagram、uh, page, they will be like,、oh. "Jenna, your pizzas are really out of the world." You know, not the dough, but the flavors and the color and everything. And a lot of classy lovers, they will be like, "Oh my goodness, what are these pizzas?" You know, they look crazy. You know, if if margarita and salami lovers, just saying, yeah. So um. But a lot of people who love this kind of taste adventure and flavors, they will be asking me, "How do you come out with all these flavors, all the recipe? How do you know they go so well? You know, or my wala guests will be like, 'How do you even, you know, do this? We have never imagined beetroot with figs and blue cheese, or you know, that kind of thing.' So I will be telling them one interesting、uh, thing is that. Do you watch the movie、uh, Queen's Gambit? Yes, the, the chess, the chess movie? movie where the lady will look、yeah. to the roof and see the chess playing her mind, and、yes. I tell them that is exactly what I do when I lie on my bed every night, looking like or not looking, closing my eyes, but visualizing how the ingredients will go together. So I will have a picture of the pizza base in my mind, and I will put on some. Tomato base, and I will cut some chili slices. So for me, it's about visualizing the pizza even before it goes in actual bake, and also because of my knowledge and familiarity with the ingredients, flavors, and you know tonality and profiles, I will be able to somehow imagine the flavor profile after bake. So, so I think this is quite fascinating because I don't think a lot of people can do it, but I'm very proud that I can visualize or imagine the kind of flavor profile combining fifteen different different ingredients, and after cook, how would they actually come out? You know, or even depending because you know sometimes if. Three out of the ten ingredients they are more salty, and if you do put too much of there, it might came out the whole is imbalanced, right? So I kind of play that around in my mind to say this is three grams, this is five grams, and that is six grams, and I adjust it in my mind until it's perfected to the right level of flavor that I want, and the next day. I will then do up this recipe which I have imagined the night before into the actual pizza, and usually is ninety percent no wrong. So I save a lot of trial times in a way that it, it, that because I can do this. So I find it very fascinating. Even like sometimes I just think about it. It's like how can I do that? It's like so interesting. Like you save because a lot of people when they do pizzas, they will be like doing maybe five trials on a single flavor if it's very complex、mm-hmm. to see. Maybe they need yeah, to boost、exactly. up the citrusino or they need to tone down the sweetness or whatever. So for me, usually is one or two trials is done because I do all this like pre um. Pre-screening or like you know pre-visualization in my mind. On our prep call, you talked about three-dimensional pizzas. 
Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I feel that you know,、uh, people who are dining out today, they don't. Of course, they look for the flavors, the service, and the you know the value for money. These are essential, right? The, the foundation of a dining out experience. But what's more now is things. Have to be Instagrammable. People want to be able to look at a dish, take some photos, go back, share with friends and family, and when they will do the sharing, and people will be like, "Wow, where is this place?" and they will be feel like, "Hmm, see, I went to a nice place that is worth you know spreading the words around, and people appreciate the photos that I take, and and it's just become a hype thing." So to me, a pizza. It's not just about you know the 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 ingredients, the flavors, the 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 profile, the taste, but also the look of it. And the look comprises of the color contrast, the three dimensional like could be like more of like a structure kind of thing, and uh yeah, and and there must be like a crunch to it or a mushiness, you know like. It's all the different senses we we need to involve them. So I like to design pizza that are really wowing by first look. Yeah. So if you look at some, you know, of my purple potato base, or you know, those that is really striking. But I will say that although they look like out of the world, but when all my guests actually when they taste the pizza, they will be like, "Oh wow! I actually thought that I." Can't really accept it because it looks really crazy, but it's comforting in another way. It's like it looks good, but it tastes also good, but in another dimension kind of thing. Yeah, it's not like really going out all out. You know that kind of feeling whereby you be like, okay, this is once in a once in a lifetime experience, but but it's not. Yeah, the taste is something that you can come back for. Can I ask you one、sure. more question? What's next for Walla? Good question. Because I actually get this every single time when my guests come to my place, they will be like, "Why you don't want to open up a place of your own, you know, and something like that?" I just think it's maybe not the right time yet because I have a really good, you know, daytime job, and、um, I think at this moment I also enjoy it the most、uh, when I'm not doing it. For just the money purpose, I I feel, because if I'm going to bring it to a more commercial setup or scale, I'm not sure if I will enjoy the whole process as much as now. Because now I can tell you that I'm the one making the pizza. I'm the one holding my pizza out, presenting it to my guests, cutting it, and looking at the expression, talking to them. You know, the whole experience is. It's it's incredible, and if I'm going to open a place by myself, I don't think I'm able to enjoy the process as much as right now. I I wouldn't eliminate the you know the in the future maybe that's something I want to do, but right now I think I enjoy the balance. That's perfect. I mean, really, if you, you what you're doing at home is so unique and special that doing it in a commercial setting would completely change and. the the entire experience and so doing what you can but iterating, changing it up in little ways to keep it exciting and doing the do that that's、yeah. beautiful and and try to try to as long as it serves and pleases you, there's nothing wrong you don't have to change、yeah. it.、Um, Jenna, I usually ask、um, two questions to wrap up the show. What is one mistake in pizza or business that people can avoid? On pizza, I would say that. We just need to be really flexible because we cannot be too rigid to be fixated on a recipe because it never works. So for pizza, um, it's really treating to me is like treating it like your baby, and depending on the mood of the day. And you know the need of the day is it hungry or is it、uh, need some for need some attention and then you pay the right level and the necessary you know attention to your baby for that particular day. So it's really about being flexible and attentive and caring、um, to make your pizza perfect. What do you want to leave the audience with today? For me. I think the most important message that I want to bring across today is really to find your own ikigai. Really, honestly, guys,、um, just start 
allocating a few minutes of every day and just start thinking and exploring and trust me um yeah you will not regret it the amount of time that you spend finding your ikigai and finding your passion you know when you realize how much it changes your life it's all going to be worth it it will change more people change the world even yeah if the whole world is going to find the ikigai you know every single one on this planet earth is going to be a one amazing can you even imagine if every single one of mm. us is going to have our Kika, it's like the next, next, next generation. It's like, oh, I cannot even imagine a world with that. Love to see a world where there are more people like Jenna who just are so filled with fire. Like you are so excited about pizza and, and I'm so happy to have learned from you really. And I just, I, it's a great wish to have more people who find their ikigai like you yes. have. You know, Idris, if anyone that um, managed to achieve their ikigai or find their passion in the years to come because you listen to this and, you know, you just set a few minutes of your time, just start the thinking and then in, you know, in the time to come, you realize you have found your ikigai, your passion, then please let me know because I will feel really good to know that I have inspired more people to understand, to recognize, and to achieve their own ikigai. Jenna, first, I want to thank you. Thank you so, so much for your time on the show. You left me feeling energized and excited for my pizza future. Second, thank you for helping co-host Women's Pizza Month. You and Christy are going to do such a great job. And third, please continue living your purpose through pizza. You are amazing. And I'm so lucky to have had this conversation with you. And I can't wait to see your journey continue. To you, the listener. Heck yeah. Please show Jenna some love. You can reach out to her on Instagram at the Juliet Mike or her other page, walapizza.sg. I'm going to go ahead and link both of those in the show notes along with some other important links. Like last week, I'm not going to ask for anything else other than go out there and make some pizza and dedicate it to an amazing woman. Have a great freaking day. I love you. Till next time. Peace.